0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books in Jewish Studies. I'm Ari Ariel, the host of the channel, and today we'll be talking to Hasia Deiner about her new book, Roads Taken, The Great Jewish Migrations to the New World, and The Peddlers Who Forged the Way. Professor Deiner is the Professor of Hebrew and Judaic Studies and History at New York University, and also the Paul S. and Sylvia Steinberg Professor of American Jewish History. Hasia, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Thank you. Um, I wonder if we could begin by you telling us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, I um teach uh American Jewish history um at New York University and um I do so as a Jewish historian and as an American historian and so the two are um completely uh tied up together. I have uh until this book written um almost exclusively in American history although not exclusively in Jewish history and so I've always sort of challenged myself as a Jewish, an American Jewish historian to think about other aspects of American history, uh, particularly American immigration and ethnic history and so I did a book on um, Irish immigrant women in the 19th century and I did another book on um, looking at three immigrant groups, uh, Irish, Italians and East European Jews in the context of foodways and uh, so it was always in this American context and for this book, uh, Roads Taken, I decided to stretch myself in another direction and to think about um, the uh, Jewish migration to the United States in the context of the larger worldwide Jewish migration. Uh, So I see myself as an Americanist, as a Jewish historian uh, and um, I see this reflects uh, my own kind of intellectual um restlessness and uh I always whatever whatever direction I'm going in, I kinda wanna look in a slightly different uh uh perspective about it. And um uh so um I think over the course of my career I've gotten a chance to do lots of different projects.
0: And so this is the first book that's really international in scope. That must have had some challenges to it.
1: Yes, because it's uh, challenging first and foremost because I didn't know all these other histories and so I really had to um, uh, teach myself about, uh, uh, you know, in a way two different kinds of um, zones. And one is I had to figure out why this Jewish migration took place. And so I had to become pretty comfortable, pretty familiar with um, Jewish history uh not just in uh Europe but also the Ottoman Empire and North Africa in that um, uh these Jewish peddlers were coming from those places uh as well and while their numbers may not have been as great they were still part of the great Jewish migration and they were peddling as well so i had to learn that but then um the uh these peddlers uh these young men went to not just the United States, although it was certainly the most uh, popular destination and it was the one that about 85% uh, went to. Uh, But they were also going to South Africa, to Canada, to the Caribbean, to Central America, to South America, to um, what don't seem to be um, New World uh, um, destinations, but they were for the Jews, which is namely um, the British Isles, um, uh, England, Scotland, Ireland, uh, Wales. Um, as well as Sweden and so I didn't know these, I mean, I guess I knew the Irish uh, but other than that these were all brand new for me and so it was one of the things I really loved about the project was just uh, sort of plunging into the histories of these places in this era in which the uh, Jewish migration was taking place and particularly thinking about uh, the kinds of um, people to whom the peddlers, the Jewish peddlers sold, uh, the kinds of people whom they would have met along the way, which is the title of one of the chapters, and um, uh, people along the road, and um, uh, try to figure out what would have been the uh, local circumstances which would have uh, made it possible for um, these immigrant Jews to be successful, and most of them were relatively successful, uh, to be successful um, in this very intimate kind of um, selling.
0: So maybe for our listeners who aren't familiar with this, could you give us a little background on the Great Jewish Migration?
1: okay so uh between the end of the eighteenth century uh into the nineteenth in, into the um early twentieth although uh, one could actually say that it went on beyond uh the uh early um you know but beyond the nineteen twenties uh about um three and a half four million jews um crossed uh, some national boundary and uh set off to build uh new homes for themselves someplace other than the places where they had um, uh, grown up and where their families lived. Now, there were um, a much larger number of Jews moved within their home regions or home countries or home empires um, from um, backwater provincial areas to the big cities. That was an enormous migration, but I'm really not looking at them and um a uh, some number of these Jews also went uh, from um uh, basically Eastern Europe to Western Europe, so Polish Jews going to France, okay, or Russian Jews going to Germany. and I'm really not looking at them either, uh, in as much as they went to places that knew Jews very well. I mean these are places that had resident Jewish populations for Centuries. So I'm looking at those uh, people and again this was the, uh, the enormous, we're talking again about four million uh, Jews who um, crossed a national boundary and went to uh, places where Jews had not lived before or where the Jewish communities were relatively uh, new and in process of uh, formation. Uh, most of these involved um, uh, some kind of ocean... Voyage, although Polish Lithuanian Jews going to Sweden did not uh, cross an ocean, uh, but um, they still went um, uh, to a place where uh, nearly no Jews had ever lived before. So the migration uh, followed, uh, we could say, two um, large arcs. And on the one hand, it followed uh, European colonization. So Jews going to north america central america South america the caribbean south Africa australia new zealand um followed uh on the heels of um the uh european expansion um through colonialism into you know what is you know historically or conventionally referred to as the new world um but um the uh Colonialism wasn't the only part of it and so the other arc is that these Jews followed um, the uh, spread of um, uh, capitalism and so um, regions of um, uh, Europe, places like Ireland, Sweden, Scotland, so on, as they uh, become more and more caught up, as these are regions that were previously relatively untouched by capitalism where most people lived in relatively subsist- subsistence economies um and um in which um they had uh lived with very low levels of material consumption uh with the spread of capitalism in the um from the middle of the 19th century onward uh people began to have some cash some coins jingling in their pockets and um The uh, peddler made possible um, them finding something to spend it on. Um, Another part of this, which again shows how global this was, places like uh, the British Isles, Sweden, um, even uh, Quebec, which is obviously a legacy of um, French colonialism, but uh, from those places, again, Scandinavia, British Isles, Quebec, um, as lots and lots of their own young people began to emigrate, okay, mostly to the United States, um, people back home experienced a rise in their status of living in in, in their material uh, or their their um, economic conditions. Um, Family members who had gone abroad were sending back remittances and so that families in the irish countryside or in um parts of Sweden parts of you know in and rural um uh quebec uh were getting money from their uh, family members who had gone off to work in pot- cotton mills in in new england or on farms in the American uh Midwest and so that money that was sent uh from uh migrating uh relatives um, now became transformed the societies in which they lived so this very long answer that this um, great jewish migration took place uh in uh the uh context of uh uh these uh kind of uh major uh um, global uh, forces.
0: Um, and it sounds actually like you're making an argument against the, the tendency to see Jewish migration as the result of persecution to some extent. Is that right?
1: Yes, I'd say uh, complete, uh, completely right. And I think, you know, <laughs> Jewish historians and Jewish communal rhetoric um, has uh, way overstated the degree to which um, persecution was um the engine that drove the migrations, and um, you know, we can we can think about this, for example, in the um, context of the um, uh, history, you know, which is the largest of all of these migrations, which is the Great East European Jewish migration from um, parts of the, from basically the the Tsarist Empire, and that migration is always described. Consistently, as a response to the pogroms, which seem to be dated in the, in the historians, I was dated to 1881, and um, you know, it, taking no account of you know, first that there were pogroms long before 1881, uh, secondly that uh, people left, uh, Jews left parts of the uh, Russian Empire where there were no pogroms, like Lithuania, and Lithuania was one of the largest defenders of um, immigrants certainly until the um, first decade of the 20th century, uh, there were no pogroms in Lithuania and um, Jews from places like Lithuania and other impoverished areas of the Russian Empire moved in fact to the Ukraine and Moldavia um, which is where the pogroms took place. So you know in a sense pogroms were not the uh, the catalyst and while they were brutal and uh, shocking, and um, certainly had to cause Jews to question their status and their their future in Russian society or this in the society of their empire, um, it can't be seen as the uh, the the great um, uh, catalytic force.
0: And so it seems like a, a very large proportion of these migrants ended up as peddlers. Um, do you have some? Is there any way to to quantify that? Or
1: yeah, um, so there's no. Way and
0: why? And why peddling is really the the more important question. Okay. Perhaps. Why do so many of them take part in peddling?
1: Right. So I mean, can't quantify at all, and uh, you're really um, <clears throat> dependent on sporadic evidence here and there. And um, you know, some of it is pretty good in that uh, uh, local Jewish communities uh, in the New World, New World places. I kept surveys of one in kind or tried to count how many are we and what are we doing. And so you get a certain amount of, 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 uh, certain set of numbers that come out of that. Uh, but, you know, they're not particularly reliable. Um, but, um, uh, the bad numbers, um, aggregated from all over the world make it very clear that it was. The, there were times when it was the, and places where it was the most common occupation and other times where it was just a very important occupation. So why? Well, it wasn't disconnected <clears throat> from um, the Jewish involvement in commerce before migration. Right? It, was, it was not an unknown way of making a living. Some parts of the world, um, of the old world, the Jewish old world, um saw Jews peddling there. So Jews in Alsace peddled um back home and they peddle in Louisiana and uh uh Arkansas and um uh Georgia. Um Bavarian Jews peddled uh and so they peddled in Bavaria and they peddled then in um you know Wisconsin and Illinois and, and so on. So uh same with Jews from uh Bohemia, Moravia, uh Lithuania that so this was familiar but i think more important um uh, <clears throat> peddling as an occupation uh was probably the fastest and surest route to um the, the learning or to acquiring the kinds of skills that would, one would need in the new society language um exposure to the local um uh culture and um it was also the surest and fastest way to make a li- you know to 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 fulfill the goals of the uh migration which in the end was earning enough money saving enough money uh to be able to get on with life and to um have a family and uh <clears throat> and and become um a a merchant of one kind or another
0: and in terms of logistics how did peddling work so somebody would arrive in a new place and and could they immediately become a peddler how they get started
1: Yes that's a great question so when they now they didn't just randomly go to new places they went to places where they had some contact some family member um information about somebody from their town uh, who had gone there first and had gotten started Uh, we never know who the very first was and so we can't ask that question uh but people didn't uh jews like all other migrants just didn't didn't just uh ramble uh randomly but they very much uh 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 focused on particular destinations where there were there were where they had co- connections and so they show up um and there's a brother there an uncle, a cousin, a townsperson, a friend of a friend of a friend and um those individuals uh were uh there were some of those individuals who were already involved in some kind of retail establishment uh Particularly, uh, what became the sort of Jews' metier was dry goods, okay? And, um, you know, fabric, um, needles, buttons, thread, um, cutlery, uh, eyeglasses, watches, jewelry, uh, lace, ribbons, um, uh, all that kind of um, stuff. Stuff. And um, that um, person, you know, again the townsperson, the cousin, the uncle, the aunt, uh, who who was there would outfit the peddler with his first bundle of goods, give him a route. Okay, and every peddler had his own special route, and he was not really allowed to deviate and to encroach on somebody else's route. Okay, uh, and um, he would. Set off um, uh, on Sunday um, to get to his uh, kingdom, and they would use the word Hebrew, the Hebrew word uh, Medina, their 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 state, um, and um, they had a list of customers. Even though they could certainly acquire new customers on the route, um, but um, they um, since they still sold on the installment plan, um, they would um, go to the same houses. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday um and um, collect what was owed to them from the previous week and um then in 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 the process um, hopefully get the uh, customer to want to buy something um else which would then extend the amount of time that that customer was uh uh in debt in, indebted to them and uh through which um the peddler could um, and make uh, make his living, make his um, small profit, you know, really a hair's breadth kind of uh, margin for, for the uh, of profit. Uh, and then um, every place these New World peddlers went, um, they would on the weekend return to the cousin, the brother, the uncle, the friend, the friend of the friend, whoever it was who was their wholesaler who already was living in some kind of settled uh, community the peddler would come back to that person uh the peddler would spend the weekend uh, sabbath with in some kind of um jewish environment because there were going to always be a number of peddlers all um clustered um and then um saturday night uh basically around the uh, the new world uh, the peddlers would um repay their creditors and okay? this is what i you know i got some i took so much and so much goods for you Here's what I owe you. Uh, and then the peddler would replenish his pack and then, um, get back out on the road again. So they had this, the the logistics, the mechanics of it were that, um, uh, they had a weekly circuit. And, um, in Ireland, they were actually called weekly men. And Hmm. in parts of South America, they were known as semanonics. Okay. Being the Spanish word for week, and vachers uh, um, uh, in um, some places in England, um, uh, so again showing that, that that weekly circuit.
0: So within the the network of peddlers, it sounds like that whole network was a Jewish economic network, and then were the customers all non-Jews?
1: Yes. So the you know from the top to the bottom of the selling chain, it was Jews. You know, Jewish peddlers got their goods from Jewish shopkeepers who got theirs from Jewish wholesalers who got theirs from Jewish uh, peddler supply companies who uh, got those from larger supply companies uh, who got actually a good deal from Jewish manufacturers. Okay, And so the goods flowed that way and the credit flowed that way, uh, but uh, the customers were all non-Jews. and so uh uh they uh were the only uh non jews in this entire um kind of vertical chain.
0: could you talk a little bit about then the interaction between the Jewish peddlers and their non jewish customers
1: Yes yeah, so uh you know it would seem like it would be a really Brought situation, and one that could lead to just a lot of uh, unpleasantness, and um, certainly, there were some people who didn't want any peddler to come to their house and would not answer the knock on the door or slam the door in their face. Um, but in the main, from um, the uh, testimony of um, peddlers and the testimony of their customers, from other more um, shall we say neutral type sources. Um, it seems as though the the customers were really happy to buy from the peddlers um for farm families. It may have relieved the um uh, loneliness not, I should say uh, before going on and go on any further um the um, customers were all women okay, so they hmm, sold okay. think they sold goods that uh, would have been of interest to, to women. uh, Again, buttons, lace, mirrors, pictures and picture frames for the wall, tablecloths, towels, sheets, pillowcases. Um, So these were very much home-related items. And um, so the women may have finally been in farm families, uh, isolated one from the other, very, very um, excited about having uh, this uh, person come across their threshold and Relieve the uh, um, the loneliness. Um, for many of the customers, um, it was the only way to get material goods, and um, you know they came to aspire to a higher standard of material consumption, and um, they would say, you know, why should I um, sleep on a pallet on the floor when I can have um, a sheet, you know, sheets and blankets and pillowcases on on a mattress or why can't I uh have a rug on my floor or pictures on my wall? So that uh or wear glasses, not see how. Um so that uh the customers were very happy, these women were very happy to have access to these um goods. Um for some of the women uh it was um uh, a way to avoid shopping at the um at the store owned by the plantation owners or by the um uh the you know the mine owners the infamous uh company store uh so the peddler comes and in, into the house and he has no relationship to the planter uh he has no relationship to the um mine owner and um he could sell goods at a much lower price at a lower rate of interest um for um African American women, uh the peddlers were really very important because these were women who if they went into town to a store besides the indignity that they would face having to for example get off the sidewalk when a white person walks by which you know is pretty graphic that they would um not be able in a store they couldn't try on clothes they couldn't um touch the merchandise to see how the fabric felt or maybe take a um a necklace out of the case and hold it up to their um uh you know to, to to their bodies and see how it may have looked uh the peddler is perfectly happy the peddler uh comes into their house and he treats them uh, like he would any other customer because like any other customer they have uh, money to spend um on these um inexpensive uh but yet luxury items so for african American women in the south um to have the peddler come was um uh in a way a a, a route or, or a means of avoiding the uh, shame and the anger and the humiliation that uh took place in town. Um and uh, so they they generally talk about having very positive interactions uh with the um w- with the customers. Uh, there's one wonderful story where um from the South um where a peddler knocks on the door and a woman uh, Georgia was, and she, you know, opens the door and she looks at him and she says, "I don't let Yankees into my house." He said, "I'm not a Yankee, I'm a Jew." He said, "Oh, then you can come in." Um, <laughs> So, you know, we obviously have to um, uh, take these with a certain uh, grain of salt. Um, uh, But um, I think that I'm I'm, I'm feeling that, you know, I I assess them as reasonably accurate. Um, One way we know that they had pretty good relationships um, is that whenever there was political turmoil, usually launched by merchants, you know, local merchants, Against the peddlers, the female customers stuck with their impl- with the with the peddlers. they liked hmm. the peddlers and um there were all over the world um uh, uh, cases where peddlers were murdered they now they were they were not murdered because they were Jews, but they were murdered because they were um, uh, unarmed men on the road with money and goods, so they're a pretty easy um target for um uh, uh ruffians and um so when uh, these pe- when when there were peddler murders what was really striking is finding the society as a whole marshaled its resources to apprehend the criminal you know the the, the 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 guilty party to bring them to justice to try them um, to punish them and in the inquests you know the local people came up and said you know that this peddler was you know he was a really nice person we've known him for two years Um, And they would point the finger at some of their, you know, neighbors. You know, it was the sons of so-and-so who uh, um, did it. And so that um, they didn't view the uh, Jewish immigrant peddler as somebody who was outside of, uh, shall we say, their moral universe. And so... It's funny
0: because there could be this tendency to imagine peddling as an old-fashioned, old-world profession, but it actually sounds like the peddlers used peddling to incorporate themselves into a new society, but also that they were really agents of change and and modernization in their destination places.
1: Absolutely. And so there's a wonderful memoir by... uh, an individual um who was eventually the uh president of Columbia South America and he says, you know, in our town um no, no peasant ever owned a pair of shoes until uh the peddlers came. Until the Jewish peddlers came. And um in uh perhaps less uh Direct kind of testimony, um, we you know get the sense that you know for these um, customers, this is their first access to these kinds of goods, and these are goods that we would certainly consider necessities sheets and pillowcases, okay towels okay, but for them, these were bre- relatively new items. Um, I was very struck by reading how Jewish uh, peddlers in um Cuba and Jamaica and uh you know other parts of the Caribbean sold um uh, neckties and um suspenders and cloth handkerchiefs to the um you know they said sell them to the wives of our uh, plantation workers and so i mean here are people who lived you know probably in the lowest level of um you know lowest material level probably the greatest possibility of exploitation in in, in their society and they're saying, "Look at my husband deserves the right to wear a necktie." And you, certainly, nothing um, you need. I think the rela- the relationship between the customers and the peddlers is further. We can we can understand even more about how that went in that um, the customers um, slept in the homes of um, the pe- the peddlers slept in the homes of their customers. So at the end of the day, uh, now not always, and sometimes they were forced to sleep. You know, in the way in on the ground in a wagon in a barn and in an empty field in a forest but um for in the, the most part um, you know they would ask you know customer uh, the last customer of the day uh may I lodge here for the night and since they had this weekly sec- circuit they knew the people and um, they worked it out so that the last home of the day was the person who was kind of you know the one that they had the nicest relationship with and so they um uh, you know, slept in their homes, they would uh eat at their tables, um they um had uh opportunity or the challenge, however you want to think of it, as of um having conversations uh with, with, with their customers of became a great way to learn the language. Okay, okay, so here they are spending the night in a family that speaks Spanish, French, Swedish, uh, whatever um, uh, and uh, you know they have to learn how to communicate uh, um, and so in some of the peddler memoirs they said um, I agreed um, to give them an extra item and um, they would teach me English or French okay. so um, uh, that you know if if the um, uh, customers despise them and they wouldn't be letting them sleep in their homes Okay. and right. bringing them, in a sense, into the family circle.
0: So with all of this intimate interaction, then uh, there must have been conversations about religion and about relationships. Uh, I mean, even eating, I suppose, would have been problematic for Jewish peddlers in non-Jewish houses. So th- did they do they have to negotiate that somehow?
1: Absolutely. And so that um, I see as one of the most um, illuminating parts of the story um, is that... Um, uh, I mean their since their customers were all non jews and basically they're all christians um and so that um uh you know the peddler is confronted with a series of um uh, moments in time uh, are within this one evening that they're sleeping there, where the issue of religion comes up, and certainly food is first. And so the uh, uh, the wife of the family, the his his, his main customer, they said, "Well, would you like to eat here?" And the the peddlers have to decide, "Am I going to eat it or not?" It's obviously not kosher. And um, okay, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. And there's no one. They had no one response. And different people responded. Um, uh, differently uh, but um, uh, in many cases they would say you know I can't eat that and the housewife would ask the most obvious question which is why not I mean who is there who doesn't eat you know, bacon or ham or pork chops or uh, whatever and also uh, my religion forbids it which then leads to the next obvious question well what religion is it that doesn't let you eat uh, uh ham hocks um, or, uh you know, lard. And so I'm a Jew and um, Jewish religion um, says that, uh, you know, we may not eat this food. And rather than have that be a, a matter of controversy or insult, what, you're not going to eat my food? Or what, you're a Jew? They say, okay, well, what can you eat? And so sometimes peddlers would leave uh, pot um, at the home of um, uh, you know each one of those homes, and they would cook themselves, or the um, housewife would um, uh, you know prepare something that they could eat. Um, other times, though, so the peddler would just say, "Look, I, I'm just going to eat whatever is, is given to me." Um, but there were other religious conversations that took place as well. <clears throat> sometimes the um, family would ask, "Well, what does it mean that you're a Jew? What, wh- who are the Jews? What do they believe?" Uh, in um, law, quite a few narratives from uh, particularly South Africa among the um, Afrikaner who were uh, great readers of the Old uh, Testament of the Hebrew Bible um, where and the fa- uh, family would read the Bible together at night uh, and um, one amazing memoir um, he said that the, the uh, boar, the Afrikaner farmer would say since you're one of the chosen people would you read the Bible for us and tell us uh, what you know how you uh you know what it means to you um peddlers in their memoirs and customers in their memoirs talked about seeing the Jewish peddler the male uh, they're all men uh praying in the morning and um putting on his prayer shawl putting on uh you know the leather uh to fill in um uh, um uh on uh their um you know on their foreheads and on their um uh, uh around their arms what, what is this and so um this too became a kind of moment in uh time in which the uh peddlers and the um uh, uh customers um uh, met over the issue of uh religion
0: there's a really remarkable story in chapter three about a, a peddler named uh nicknamed Holy Moses. Yes. Could you maybe think about that?
1: Yes. Yeah, so um Holy Moses, um, he was peddling in the Dakotas, a Jewish man from uh, Lithuania, and he um had you know, his his clients they all knew him, they knew he was very religious. Uh and um at one point, um he was uh, uh uh, approached by several of the customers, and the customers were primarily German speakers, uh, immigrants from Germany to, as uh, farmers to the Dakotas. And they approached him and they said, um, we, uh, we, are, uh, we don't have a minister and we wonder if you would come and, uh, lead services in our congregation. And, um, so this is a story told by his daughter. And again, we'll have to assume there's a certain amount of embellishment, um, uh, um, over this. And, um, he, um, goes for several weeks, several months to, um, this, uh, a German congregation. And he, uh, um, led them in a discussion of the Torah portion of the week. And, um, so, uh, uh, you know, one can pop, ponder this and um uh and ask you know the question um do, you know if he had not left uh lithuania as a peddler and if they had not left lithuania uh or, or germany to go become farmers in america uh and um uh you know would either have ever met the other And, uh, you know, we see the kind of transformative uh, uh, impact of uh, one might say the new world itself and the peddling as the uh, vehicle that brought uh, these people together.
0: Yeah, it seems like there's a real synergy or maybe even symbiosis between the Jewish peddlers and their non-Jewish customers. Um, and, And given maybe that they were in their houses so often, were there ever... Uh, romantic relationships that developed?
1: Absolutely. And so all over the world. Um uh we have um stories of peddlers and uh women um uh, falling in love, uh, getting uh, married, in some cases the women uh, convert to Judaism, um uh in other cases uh the men end up in uh, just lifelong relationships uh with uh the um, uh women uh whom they've met in the course of their um uh, study their, their travels uh you know, they're selling um expeditions um there's a a wonderful um comment by a uh, man who's an, who's an official of the Alliance, um, Israeli D'Universal. So, this was a French Jewish organization heavily situated in the Ottoman Empire. And he went to the Amazon to check up on, uh, the, uh, young men from the particular area he had worked in, uh, who had gone off to be peddlers in the Amazon. And he said they spread their children all up and down the banks of the Amazon. And he says, and he was in a boat, and he said the little boy who was, uh, uh, manning the, the boat or the raft and uh, said his name was Solomon. And he said, well, why do you have the name Solomon? He said, oh, my father's a Jew. And uh, the um, uh, these relationships were, you know, in a way natural and normal. I mean, these were single men on their own and um, they met, they fell in love. And um, uh, again, it has a tra- transformative impact on um, on the Jews and on the places they went.
0: So it sounds like most of the relationships are very positive but of course there is also some opposition to the peddlers. Does that mostly come from from other business interests or local stores or who's who's against the peddlers peddling in their areas? Yes,
1: yeah, so the pe- the opposition to the peddlers come primarily uh from uh the um uh merchants who just see the peddlers as unfair competition and they want uh they want them out. Um In some places, it's just a clear, uncomplicated economic uh, tension uh, without the religious or the ethnic or the national or whatever we want to call it, without the Jewish issue coming in. And um, partly we know this because there was opposition to other peddlers who weren't Jewish um, as well. And so um, there's the same kind of rhetoric and the same kind of political maneuvering against the so-called yankee not so-called against the yankee peddlers that is those young men from uh uh new england um who went peddling in the south and in the midwest and mid-atlantic and the same kinds of words are used were used against them as were used against the jewish peddlers uh but on the other hand in a few places it happened in ireland it happened in quebec it happened in a few spots in latin america um uh, those places in particular um anti-peddler rhetoric sparked over into anti-jewish rhetoric which doesn't mean that the the customers agreed with it but local political religious business men came together and constructed a uh an argument against the peddlers which were not just that they were unfair competition uh but that there that they were um uh, as Jews alien um, to this environment and were corrupting the uh, values, uh, that they were uh, the killers of Jesus, they were the uh, parasites who uh, uh, fed upon the poor, and, and so on. Um, but those were actually quite limited. And if you took the whole history, one might say, of anti peddler rhetoric and anti peddler political activity, um, the uh, ones where the Jewish element crept into or flared into the um, um, arguments, um, it's uh, pretty limited.
0: It also sounds like the peddlers are upsetting racial and gender norms. So I would imagine that also led to some opposition. Yes. Is that right?
1: Yes. And so the you know, in many places in the American South, for example, there's just a kind of fear that wherever the peddlers went they were going to uh because they're selling um material goods to African Americans, uh material goods um that um uh in a way we are at least on the surface in terms of you know uh erasing some of the differences between being the privilege of being white and the uh degradation of being not white and so if, uh, if a uh, African American can have the same household furnishings and the same uh necktie and the same um jewelry then um What's uh you know it's 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 erasing some of the the um sting of race as it were or the privileges of race uh and so jewish peddlers were often um uh described as uh riling up um the uh local uh um african americans because of their um uh, the disruptive quality of the um of the selling um uh in many places the uh, owners of the mines didn't like the idea that the peddlers were coming in and taking people away from the company store and that's you know disruptive of class relationships uh and the issue of gender is that was kind of universal and there was always the sly snide um Slightly humorous, sometimes not so humorous uh, notion that peddlers were seducing women uh, and that they were kind of sexual predators. Um, but I think we can um, see that as again more limited than the than the uh, positive interactions, in as much as the peddlers, um, all almost, almost all of whom, in fact, I could say I, I was I think all of whom uh, end up um, not being peddlers but becoming shopkeepers. And when they open their shops in the local area, they are um, uh, considered to be uh, respectable, upright uh, citizens of a local community. People patronize their businesses. Um, they um, ha- occupy um, Positions of respect. They might serve on a school board or on a, um, road commission or, uh, a, a kind of local board of trade. Uh, you know, would, whatever, um, local honors were available, they would, uh, be able to, um, uh, uh acquire these. And so it shows that they, re- they garnered the respect of their neighbors for so the people to whom they'd sold.
0: So it sounds like then pedaling is a temporary profession. Could you say a little bit about maybe how long one usually pedaled? And, and I assume then that they, were, they stopped pedaling because they were looking for better conditions with a more sedentary lifestyle?
1: Okay, so I mean nobody pedaled because they wanted to it was definitely not a choice occupation um but they peddled because they saw it as the road to uh, uh some kind of uh um, stability some kind of um, uh greater eco- you know comfort economic uh um, viability um, so um it was not a lifetime occupation it's really hard to know how long um this was uh um, you know, if somebody did it, a year, two years, four years, three years. Since we can't calculate the number of people who actually peddled or the number of men who pedaled, we can therefore not really calculate the um, uh, the average uh, an average number that uh, peddling went on. I'd say that uh, you know, I got a lot of information from um, uh, uh, sources like um, obituaries, and um, you know, it seemed to be you know, two, three years um, was probably a a, a, a kind of
0: norm and and while they were peddling it sounds like they were single men but once they settled down did they incorporate into uh, into Jewish communities or other communities and does that mean they also had the opportunity to get married and have children and things of that nature
1: yes so some of the you know particularly in the earlier period the um, uh, peddlers were single men and then once they could open a shop was when they got married and they had a variety of strategies to find a wife um and um uh the, later on but I think particularly as the uh focus of the source of the migration uh shifted uh to further in Eastern Europe as opposed to uh uh, w- uh, uh, uh central europe uh they tended to be as much and, and also in the Ottoman Empire they tended to be uh much more married men um who um uh would leave their wives and children back home and uh then would send for them when um the um uh you know when they had saved the money. Um or they may have brought them to the immigration, you know, to the destination country but leave them in a big city. They okay, leave them in New York City and then the men might go out and settle in the Adirondacks or in um uh you know some other more remote area, uh see them once or twice a year you know, maybe during Jewish holidays. There's almost a a kind of uh, organic link between peddling and being on their own, stopping to peddle and uh, reforming a family, uh, be it an existing one or getting married, uh, becoming part of a Jewish community. Now, there were certainly any number of examples I ran across of men who were peddlers, got married, Opened a store and then actually continued to do continued to do some peddling and their wives ran the store, hmm. so that uh, and and that would often come to an end when they would have a child, and then it was now a kind of full family.
0: And and some of these ex-peddlers become quite prominent, right? Am, am I right that, for example, Sears was started by an ex-peddler? Uh,
1: Sears um, Julius Rosenwald, who's the uh, president of Sears. Um, uh, his father was a peddler, so he's one generation removed. Uh, but uh, I think some of the big names that we associate with, um, uh, you know, peddlers who really made it uh, big were Guggenheim. Meyer Guggenheim the, the Le- Lehman uh, Strauss uh, um Seligman, uh, so these were uh people who became extremely extremely uh, uh wealthy and prominent and um all began um as peddlers in America um the um uh, uh uh man um, founded um, the very fancy department store in San Francisco, IMagnon. Um he was a married man in San Francisco, Jewish immigrant, and he um, uh, uh was a picture frame maker and kind of a failure at it. And um, so his wife says, Look at, you know, you're a failure. <laughs> uh, probably the only way you're gonna make something of yourself is if you go out and pedal. And so um, he then goes pedals and um, saves the mo- you know, makes the money, saves it and, uh, you know, ends up founding um, this, you know, very classy department store.
0: And did peddling ever pass down to the second generation or, or like in this case of Sears, is it something that the, the first generation does so that their children have a, a better life?
1: yes um it's, so definitely it's a it's it's less than a one generation uh phenomenon and um uh the uh, um uh, uh, uh sons never do it again you know, the sons never pick up their fathers
0: uh okay great thanks Asya. i think we've taken up too much of your time um i'm question. just kind of curious now that this, this project is done and it's an awesome book everybody should go out and and get it Um, I'm curious what you're working on now okay so
1: in a way it's not unrelated to your last question which is I'm writing um, a short biography of um, Julius Rosenwald uh, of Sears who whose father was a peddler and this is for the um, Jewish Lives series at Yale University Press
0: great that sounds like a great project I look forward to reading it thank you again for being on the show today I really enjoyed it And take care.
1: Okie dokie. Thanks so much.